0: Well, good morning. good morning. This morning we get to end our spring spotlight. It is the final day. We, are, we have seen what faith can mean for us. And so today we get to look at the return of Jesus Christ. And so at 11 o'clock, Tim is going to bring us a lesson on the return of Jesus Christ. And I hear he knows exactly when it's going to happen. And so he is going to tell us when Jesus is coming. So, but to help support Tim's lesson about the return of Jesus we're going to look at the coming of Jesus and the coming day of the Lord. We're going to look at our Old Testaments and see how they point us to God's chosen day where he will reveal himself. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in Malachi chapter 4. We'll be in Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of your Old Testaments. So we'll be there today for the entirety of our lesson. But before we look at the idea of the coming of God, I'd like for us to see why it is so important for us to talk about faith in the way that we have for the last month. We've been working for the past month to build a foundation on of our faith, to point it towards the things that define who we are as disciples of Jesus Christ and help us to build our faith, to grow in faith and the ways that go in the right direction. Faith is useful. It helps us to be convicted in what we do. It helps us to make strong choices in where we're going to go. But if faith is built on the wrong things, it pushes us in the wrong directions. So it's so important that we have these foundational understandings of who God is and where we find our salvation so that we can grow in faith the way that we need to be. But if we start with our faith with our foundation of Jesus Christ under us, we can grow in faith that will take us farther in the right direction than anything else possibly could. So having our faith is important, and having that foundation is important. So I'm appreciating everyone and taking part in this together this month, that we can grow in faith in the right ways. So today we'll look at how we can grow in faith that Jesus is coming back. And to do that, we will see how we can look forward to the Lord in the, in the Old Testament God uses a phrase throughout the scriptures, and especially in the prophets, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is everywhere throughout the prophets, and it's used for a lot of purposes. If you were in the minor prophets class here in the auditorium a few quarters ago, you might remember this, but it's used most commonly for judgment. It's a coming day where sin has to be answered for, whether it be Israel's sin, Judah's sin, or the nation's. Sin had to be answered for, but... There is more to it. Sometimes it's used as a coming day of salvation. At its core, the simplest way that we can understand the day of the Lord is it is the day where we most clearly see God in control. There is no doubt that this day is God's day and His will comes first and nothing gets in the way of the day of the Lord. But at its core, we can see God in control. So it is a day with conflicted feelings For those who are receiving judgment, it is a terrifying day that is coming on them. But for those who are responding in faith, it is a day of anticipation, a day where they will be freed from the trouble that is their lives. So that's a day of the Lord. So let's see what we can learn about how we approach the day of the Lord based on how they approached their day of the Lord. But before we read Malachi chapter 4, I want to see some quick background so we kind of know why we're reading this chapter, what's going on, and help us to do that. So Malachi was written after the Israelites had returned from their Babylonian captivity. They had been in another nation that they had been taken from, by force, from their homes, and had had to live there for the past generation. And so they're finally getting to come back. And this is right after the books like Haggai and Zechariah, Uh, Ezra and Nehemiah. The temple has been rebuilt. Jerusalem is being rebuilt. Things are starting to get back to normal. But Malachi is written because their faith in God has not yet been rebuilt. They are not quite respecting God in the way that they should be. They are not growing in faith as they should be. They were offering sacrifices that were not their best. They were giving lambs that were lame or impure against the law of Moses of what they should be doing. And they were also divorcing their Israelite wives to take pagan women for themselves. There was not a priority for God in Israel. And so Malachi is written because there is, these need to be answered for. And in this, there's a coming day of the Lord where all of this will ultimately be answered for. God has set a day where things will change. Judgment will come and everyone will answer for how they lived. Are you seeing the similarities of Jesus' second coming yet? People who are living their lives and worshiping in ways that aren't supposed to be. And God has set a day in the future that will be a day where everyone will answer for how they live. We're right in this text. Even though we are seeing a different coming of Jesus Christ, we're in this text. So I want us to see that before we read. So let's see our text together. Malachi chapter 4. It's only six verses. We'll read all the way through. And then we'll just walk through the verses together to see what we can learn about the day of the Lord. Of utter destruction. So, the first thing we see in this chapter is judgment. Judgment is part of the day of the Lord. God coming is not an event that can be taken lightly. When we see that as part of the day, the first thing mentioned about the day, we should take it very seriously. It is a day where God's righteousness will be revealed to everyone, and the sins of everyone on this earth will be answered for. Sins will be exposed. And judgment will be here. You know, this is a topic that can make us feel a little uncomfortable. I mean, nobody really likes to talk about judgment as the thing that, you know, gets me out of bed in the morning. The first reason for that is because we all know we have sinned. And so we feel uncomfortable facing the day of judgment because we are guilty by ourselves. Now, of course, we have Jesus Christ that has changed the way that we look at that, but we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But it is a day that makes us uncomfortable for that reason. Another reason is because we have family and friends, people who we love that aren't ready for Judgment Day. So talking about Judgment Day can be a painful thing because we know there are some who are not taking the day of the Lord seriously. It is a hard thing to talk about. Judgment is coming. It's part of what we believe. So let's talk about what it's all about. Why Judgment is coming, what it's for, and everything. First, we need to realize that God is a God of justice. This is his nature. Sin is in Israel, sin is in our world, and it has to be answered for. It cannot just continue. God has to act. God is a righteous God that cannot ignore sin, a perfect God that must answer for the willful imperfections of his own creation. Because we aren't just flawed, we are disobedient. And so we have to answer for those things. And that's what's described here. We have arrogant and evildoers here in verse 1. Let's talk about that for a second. The arrogant. This is seen throughout Malachi, that the arrogant are responding. Malachi is written in kind of a call and response um, method. And it starts with, you have despised my name. That's the accusation God has brought upon Israel. And the arrogant of Israel respond, how have we despised your name? Now, this is a short book, four chapters, and they're relatively short chapters. That formula of call and response, God accusing them and saying, how have we done that, is done seven times in this four-chapter book. They don't see themselves. They don't see their flaws. They don't realize that they are separated from God. The arrogant will answer for their sins on the day of the Lord. But also, there, is, uh, there are the evildoers here in Israel. The people had shown that they were evil too. They weren't offering sacrifices to God the way that they wanted them to. Chapter 1 and verse 13 tells us that they were even taking the lambs from the poor by violence that they could offer them to the Lord. They are abusing others. And of course, in chapter 2, it tells us all about how they were leaving their Israelite wives to try and find a relationship with the pagan women. They weren't caring for others. They weren't caring for God. They were evildoers. The day of the Lord is coming. You can see why God is bringing judgment. Sin is in Israel. It has to be answered for. And so judgment will come. And it's described in a few different ways. It says it's burning like an oven. The people who are arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. They'll be cut off. They will be set ablaze. There will be nothing left, no root, and no branch. What's being described here is a raging fire. It's an inferno. This is a scary image that we have in front of us. There's a couple things to notice about this. Number one, there's no escaping this fire. Do you notice what it says here in verse 1? When all the arrogant and all evildoers will come to stubble. There is no hope that if you've been living wrong, that you're going to somehow get away from judgment, that you're going to survive, you're going to continue. God's judgment is all-encompassing, and everyone will answer for their sins. No one escapes judgment. And second, there is no recovery from the fire. The fire goes down to the roots. It burns the tree from top to bottom. It burns the branches. It burns the tree. Nothing is left. That idea, it burns it down to the stubble. You can hardly even see that a tree was there to begin with. Everything is burned to the ground. Judgment is forever; it is unavoidable, and it does not come back. It is an ongoing, complete judgment of God. He does not leave the wicked to to continue. When He judges sin, God judges sin. That's what we're seeing here. But I don't want us to, uh, you know, get too scared here, because verse one is not all doom and gloom, right? We hear these judgment verses, and we kind of. Get uncomfortable. Man, this is, this is a scary day that's coming. There's some mercy in this verse. And do you know what that is? It's that the day of the Lord is coming. God is well within his rights just to say the day of the Lord is here. You are answering for your sins right now. Too late. He could have done that. He could still do that. That is everything God has the right to do. But God always gives an opportunity for people to answer for their sins, to repent, to respond in faith. Typically, he gives them a long period of time over stretches of of years where he allows them to hear his word, know that they need to change before he acts. And then if it's even a shorter period of time, he gives them an action that they can do or they can display their faith like blood on the mantel post, right? that they can show that they are responding to God. They believe that they can be saved by God. God is showing mercy, even in judgment here. That it, The day of the Lord is not yet here, but he's warning them that it's coming. Judgment is judgment, but God's judgment is still fair. I want us to see that. He is more than fair to us that he shows us ahead of time. But judgment is part of our coming day of the Lord too, of course. Sins will be answered for, and God will come in righteousness. And we all will see ourselves compared to the God of heaven. And we will find ourselves lacking. We will see our sins. We will know that the sins of the world are on us. It's a sobering part of our faith. But we need to remember how greatly this should impact how we live. That sin is serious and that we want to look towards the day of the Lord with as much faith as we possibly can. So we need to know that judgment is coming. However, the chapter doesn't end here. It's not just a message of judgment. There is a message of hope. And so we can see what Malachi has to show for the people of Israel as they see hope coming. And that is in verses 2 and 3. The beginning of verse 2 says, But for you who fear my name, that's a great transition. The the arrogant and the evildoers have judgment coming their way. And then verse 2, it flips on its head. But those who fear the name of God have a different fate. Those who are responding to what he has to say about him have a different fate. Those who have hope aren't looking at the day of the Lord and seeing a dark cloud of judgment coming. They are seeing God bring them a different fate because they revere Him in His glory. Now, I pray that can be us, that we can be people who have a healthy fear of the Lord, that we can live our lives that can be described in this way. God has given us His Word and showed us His nature so that we can respond to Him with fear, reverence, obedience, and love. That's the kind of people we need to be. That's what this should motivate us to be, as people who want more of a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. And then Malachi gives two images that help us to see this hope. And they're both interesting and fascinating images for us to see. The first is, "...the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings." Okay, there's a lot happening here. So let's break this down together. The sun of righteousness is already a picture of hope, right? We kind of see that. The sun rising is a new beginning. It's a picture of potential, of what could be. And that's something that I think our world, everyone gets, that the sunrise is a picture of hope. God coming allows us a fresh start a chance to start over, a chance to move forward away from the wickedness of this world and to look at something new. It erases the wickedness of our present and past and allows us to have a new start with a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. That is what God is telling us here. The day of the Lord from Malachi would be pointing to a day that would do that. Jesus comes and brings a day where there is a new beginning. It is a time of a new covenant, a time where we can see that God has done for all of us to give us new ways to move forward with him through the cross. We can see that. The son of righteousness has come. And in another way, Jesus is the son of righteousness. I mean, he is the light of the world, right? He, we kind of see that in John, especially, of how he describes himself. He brings light, and he does it by his character. He is showing us his glory and all that he does through his perfect life. It's a great picture of hope. The day of the Lord is not all bad. Jesus reveals himself on the day of the Lord. He shows us who he is. He brings us hope. That's the day of the Lord as well. But then it adds this phrase, with healing in its wings. The son of righteousness comes with healing in its wings. So what is that? It is a picture of protection. It's a picture of protection. So imagine a uh, mother bird would cover its chicks, cover her chicks with her wings as if to bring them close. Another way the word is translated is robe. It's almost like wrapping your coat around someone's shoulders, right? Safety. Comfort, protection. There is a care here in this image that we see what God is giving is a new way of seeing how we live, that we are protected, we are healed, we are cared for. And that is what we see in this picture. And it shows us two things. First, that Israel was in need of healing. Israel's in a tough position. Israel is in a difficult place. They are back from captivity but their life is not the same as what it once was. Remember, they've been in Babylon for many years, and the temple finally is rebuilt, but it's not Solomon's temple. They're back in Jerusalem, they're worshiping, but things aren't quite the same. And worst of all, sin is still part of their lives. There's no king on the throne of Judah. Things are not the way they used to be. Israel feels this lacking and, who God, and what their life is, and that God is leaving them to look for more in the day of the Lord. So, Israel needed healing. And second, it shows us that God's coming would provide it. God's coming is going to change things. It's going to take Israel from the sin and the pain that they are in at this time. It's going to move them into a new future. Jesus talks about healing a lot in his ministry. He talks about protecting. He talks about helping. He is there to show people that he is loving them and showing them that he is the perfect comfort for us all. Jesus even uses a similar image in Luke chapter 13. He says, Jerusalem, if I could just take you under my wings like a mother hen would take her chicks, right? Jesus sees this kind of imagery and he knows that he fulfills it. He is the comforter. He is the healer. He is the day of the Lord. We can see the hope, can't we? It is a great day, a day of the Lord. And there's another image that Malachi shows us here in the day of the Lord, the end of verse 2. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. So that's a, a kind of an interesting image. I think we can kind of see what it's talking about. It's a picture of freedom, right? I mean, these things don't want to be penned up any more than we do. They want to be free, and they want to be moving around. They want to be able to do what they want to do, Israel is set free because of the coming of the Lord. Israel is like a penned up animal surrounded by sin that is now being let free with the love of God. We will soon see the joy of God's people as they are freed from the wickedness surrounded them. The day of the Lord is not a day where God's people are bound and jailed and confined. It is a day where they are released from bondage. The New Testament backs this up. We are always seeing, Romans and Galatians especially, how we are freed from bondage. We are removed from the slavery of sin, and now we are free in Christ. That's the day of the Lord that this is pointing to. And so it is a great day, a day of the Lord. And then there is an image of hope in verse 3 as well. That things are different with how the wicked are surrounding them. That they will now tread over them with their feet. They will be walking on top of the ones that were oppressing them before. God is going to right the scales of justice that have been wronged in our world. The wicked have seemed like they were in control. Not anymore. God is going to make his righteous people over them. You know, Israel has been under people for all of their lives in Malachi. I mean, if they were born in Babylon, they're surrounded by captors, people who were forcing them to live in a land that they did not know, that they did not want to live in, to pay taxes to a king that they did not serve. They were under subjection to Babylon. And if they move back to Israel, it doesn't get entirely better. It gets maybe a little better but they're surrounded by people who didn't want them to return. If you read the book of Nehemiah, you read about people who are opposing them and causing them pain as they're trying to rebuild their lives back in their homeland. There are oppressors. There are evildoers who are surrounding them, and God is promising an end to that day. The day of the Lord brings hope because it brings victory for the people who follow God. It shows that they can trust God even though the evil seems strong now. That's why we ask dad to lead, this is my father's world. That though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. God is showing us through the day of the Lord that he is in control. That sins will be answered for. And that the wrongs done to his people will be corrected. What a great day of the Lord that we have in front of us. We see that totally in our day of the Lord. Because there are still wrongs done to us from Malachi's day of the Lord. But in our day of the Lord, we get to see Jesus come back. And once and for all, wrongdoing is ended. God's people will be brought home and we will have everything. Because we will be with our Father in heaven. That's the day of the Lord we get to look forward to. That's the day of the Lord we have. Because we get to look forward to the day of the Lord in a similar way. Because Jesus... Because of Jesus Christ, we get to look forward in hope. Our world has a lot of things that make us scared, angry, or sad. A lot of things that are hard. But the day of the Lord changes our perspective on those things. Because the day of the Lord shows us that these difficulties in our lives are temporary. That one day Jesus is going to return. And these problems we have will seem small. Because our Lord will wipe them all away in an instant. He will remove them. But be, and then our lives can be difficult. But because we know Jesus is coming back, we can endure. We have a completely different outlook on life's difficulties. So we know because of Jesus that we can look forward and hope. We can also be set free from sin and death. This has been our common problem ever since Eve ate of the wrong tree the forbidden tree that God had obeyed her not to eat. This has been something humanity has shared for all time that we have known this earth. Death, the consequence of sin, looms over us all, reminding us of our mortality and the brokenness of our world. But we have a hope of something else. We talked about this extensively last week with the resurrection, that because death is defeated... We can face death completely differently as followers of Jesus Christ. That we see it not as an end, but as something that is going to be defeated. Something that has an end that will be removed from our experience of this world. Jesus defeated death. And one day, there will be no more death when Jesus returns When Jesus comes, there will be no more death, there will be no more separation from God for those who have been saved through the blood of His Son. So, it sets us free from sin and death. And then third, because we can look at the wickedness of the world differently in our world today too. There's wickedness in Israel's time, yes. But there is wickedness in our day too. We see it everywhere. And it can be distressing, it can cause us pain And sorrow, when we look and we see our world living in sin, it is a difficult thing for us. But the return of Jesus changes our perspective on that as well. We see people who are making up their own moral standards and doing what they want. But because of the coming day of the Lord, we can see it differently. We know That the wickedness is temporary. We know that the wickedness is defeated. God will defeat the evildoers and they will have to answer for what they have done. God will come and he will take all that is wrong with the world and he will make it right again. It will be Garden of Eden where we walk with our Lord the way that we always should have. He has that day set that we will be with him. Can we say, Lord, come quickly, yet? I hope that as we consider the day of the Lord, that it changes the way that we look at that day. Not a day of anxiety, a day of the unknown that makes us uncomfortable, but a day of anticipation, that God will make everything good before us once again. That is what we hope in. That is what we have our faith set in, that we can grow in faith towards that. If we are living with the fear of the Lord, like the, like the writer here says, it's the best day we have to look forward to. It is the best thing in front of us. So, we have a question. It's not today. So what can we do until we get to that point when Jesus returns? Well, I'll say it may not be today. Could be. Could be tonight. But what do we do until Jesus returns? And simply, verses 4 through 6, I'm boiling down to one word. Listen. Listen. Because we have in front of us, verse 4, remember what Moses has said in verse 5, I'm sending you Elijah. Listen to what has been said and listen to what will be said is what, told, is, what is told to the people of Israel. And um, Elijah here is likely, uh, maybe, the same prophet as chapter 3, verse 1. It's the coming John the Baptist who is going to prepare the way for Jesus. Listen to what is being said so that you do not miss the coming day where Jesus is in the flesh here for you. Listen, do not miss it. That's what's being said here. They can prepare for the coming of the Lord by filling themselves with the word of God. If they know the word of God, they better, the better they can prepare for the word of God, the coming of God. That is the day that is coming. And they know everything that they need to know. God has given them his word. He has shown them his mind. He has shown them that Jesus is coming. And we can do the same thing. We don't know the day when Jesus is coming. We don't know when it will happen. We don't know every detail. But we do know God's will for us. We have his word in front of us. We can know as much as we can until that day. Do you feel ready for the coming of the Lord? If not... You need to be using the tool that God gave you to get ready for the coming of the Lord. He has shown you everything you need to know so that you can fill yourself with His will and His way and come and be with Him. Spend time understanding Jesus. It's worth every effort that you can give. We have a wonderful God who has shown us His own mind. And the message He has given us is a message of hope He has taken us from a place of sin and death and removed us from that hopelessness. And he has given us a way to follow him through his word and listen to his son. So will we listen? That's our question for today. We've got to remove the sin from our lives. We've got to live like Jesus and emulate him in all that we do. Because we can live a life that shows that we trust Jesus. We know he's coming back. The day of the Lord is, a, is coming. It's an important day, and we need to be ready for it. This is why this is a foundational part of our faith. If we don't look for the coming day of the Lord, we aren't going to be the people of faith we need to be. We've got to build our faith around the fact that Jesus is coming back. And that's a hopeful day if we're ready. It's a terrible day if we're not. So all of that that we do in our lives is to try to make sure that we know the Lord, as Jesus returns. Because if we aren't ready for Him to come back, we miss everything good about the day of the Lord. So this week, let's be reminded of what God wants us to be, because Jesus is coming, and we need to be ready. So to help encourage us to live ready for the return of Jesus, we're going to sing a song that directly references this passage, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We can see how much joy is coming from the original coming of Jesus, from His birth to help us to have joy in the second coming. So be looking for the reference from this chapter while we sing. So this song will help us to remember our Lord's coming and his coming again. So let's stand as we sing together.